0: Many of the Proverbs, like so many of them, speak to the importance of our words. Our tongue, the way that we speak, what comes out of our mouth. Proverbs reminds us that our words can bring great healing, but our words can also bring great harm. And not just to others, but they can bring harm to ourselves as well. And so when you read Proverbs, what you will find is, is I would say, uh, just about the, 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 the main topic or the main theme addressed is the power of our words. It's our words that have incredible power, and yet so many times we can be very, very, very flippant with the words that we use. And I think so much of the the purpose of this proverb in in Proverbs 18 is to, in a way, sort of jolt us, to sort of wake us up a bit, is a clear warning. It's calling us to pay attention to the deadly words that we speak, to pay attention to the deadly words that we often receive And deadly words are the ones that we all are familiar with. They're the ones that label. They're the ones that marginalize. They're the ones that condemn. They're the ones that wound, that seek to to diminish others. Death comes from the power of our words. It can come from the power of our words. And I'd say that just about all of us have probably experienced this, probably have, have experienced deadly words spoken to us. Just about all of us have probably experienced Deadly words that have come out, come out of our mouth to other people. Proverbs tells us that our tongue has great power. We are in uh, week two of a uh, teaching series called "Becoming Wise." I kicked this off last week, and I just mentioned, you know, um, that, that I've, been, I've been in a season, I've been in a time of needing some wisdom. Uh, needing to uh, really hear from the Lord, get some direction, um, and so I've been reading through the book of Proverbs, and the book of Proverbs is full of wisdom for how to navigate through life, and and so you know as I have been you know trying to figure out some 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 things in my life, some things in in our family, some things here at the church, I've just been uh, finding a lot of comfort in reading through. Uh, this book and it feels to me like there is just so much going on all the time uh, around us. there's so much just swirling culturally. Uh, it feels like like every time you know we blink there's there's significant news or things that are changing new technologies, new values like it feels like 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 what was once a value is no longer and new things are being introduced all the time and and so, you know, the big idea really behind this, this series is I think we got to ask the question, in light of all of this, is my wisdom keeping pace? Like, is my wisdom keeping up? I, am, I, am I understanding the times correctly and, and uh, understanding how, from the Lord, like, how to really live in times like these? And so, last week we talked about um, how to search for wisdom, like, the importance of searching for wisdom. And today I want to talk specifically about becoming wise with our words. Wise with our words. Uh, on January nineteenth, two thousand and nineteen, there was a video that appeared on Twitter that quickly made its way around the world, and it just about instantly made two people famous overnight. Uh, and it struck some fear in the hearts of parents almost uh, everywhere. In the video, there was a Native American tribal leader named Nathan Phillips, and he was standing in front of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington D.C. and uh, and he was, it appeared that he was, he was being challenged um, by uh, Kentucky high school student, Nick Sandman, uh, who was wearing a red MAGA hat and was uh, being, you know, there being surrounded by his friends. Some of you might remember the story when you see this picture right here uh, on the screen. And, and so the video went viral, like everybody saw it, and it quickly elicited, you know, unbelievable levels of outrage and condemnation directed towards these young students people quickly assumed that this was, you know, classic race baiting. And, and, and so, you know, people were, were up in arms from, from politicians to journalists to celebrities to armchair, you know, Twitter influencers. Everybody was, was, ju- ju- just assumed, you know, that this was race baiting. And they joined this sort of mob of, of uh, you know, online judgment towards these boys. Well, not long after this first video surfaced, there was a longer video that, that appeared. You guys know the story. And This longer video provided much greater context to the situation, you know, once it was released. The video, the second video, revealed an entirely different situation. And as a result, there was now a whole new cycle of outrage, right? People now defending these boys. And then there was a long line of people lining up to apologize for their quick judgment and their ruthless words that they had shared, you know, the day before. And as many of you know, Nick Sandman here in the Red Hat uh, the MAGA, he settled a defamation lawsuit with uh, many different media outlets. One of them uh, notably was CNN for an undisclosed amount of money, all because of the way they spoke about him in their quickness to rush to judgment. It's assumed that the settlement was for like an enormous amount of money, right? Um, big deal. I'll tell you the story for a couple reasons. One is just, this is, this is daily life now in this age of outrage. That's actually like a term people use, the age of outrage. This is daily life in the age of outrage and vitriol that we have found ourselves in. And you know, handheld media devices have given us an unprecedented access to images and videos, which can now be distributed on a massive scale with little to no vetting or investigation at all. Like that's that's the world we're in. And each new image, each new video has the ability to create new outrage and to exacerbate our already severely polarized culture. And so this is just, just what I think. I think in light of the moment we're in, in light of, of the need to kind of ask that question, is my wisdom keeping up? This is what I think. I think that more than ever, we need wisdom for our words in this age of outrage. We need wisdom for our words in this, out, uh, in this age of outrage. I think all of us understand that words are powerful, right? We're we kind of all on the same page there that our words are powerful, I've been learning a lot uh, recently about the power of my own words, my own words, that there is, there is a lot of power in the words that I speak to others. That's true, and I think all of us understand that, but, I've, but what I've really been learning is that there is especially great power in the words that I speak to myself. How many of you have ever had moments in your life where you have said something you regretted? Anybody? Ever just you know, uh, said something, immediately regretted it, and had it like that classic insert foot in mouth, you know, kind of moment. How many of you know that when you say something you regret, it's a painful reminder to us of just how powerful our words really are. You're like, oh man, I didn't didn't mean to really say it that way. There's so many classic examples of this in in uh you know, um, in, in, in culture, in, in, in pop culture, you know, we, we have seen over the last five, six, seven years, uh, you know, uh, the significance of what cancel culture looks like. So many different celebrities or people with influence uh, caught on a hot mic, finding out really quickly how much their life can change literally overnight by the power of their own words, right? It may surprise you to learn uh, that when I was a younger man, I was known to run my mouth a little bit. Uh, sometimes even as an older man, uh, I've been known to run my mouth just a little bit. Um, but, you know, I, when I was younger, um, coming up, you know, I, 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 was, I was never someone who would back down. I always had to get the last word in. I think that, that maybe in another life I could have I uh, been a pretty good lawyer. I think I could have argued well in front of a, a judge. I think I could have figured that out. Um, but this was kind of me Growing up, just just kind of had to get the last word in. Had to had to uh, do that with my parents. Had to do that with friends and arguments or or whatever. And and so I was known to run my mouth just 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 a bit. And so, uh, growing up, uh, my brother and I, um, you know, we had we had a group of friends that we hung out with. And my brother was three years older than me. And one of the kids that the guys that he went to high school with. you know, we would all kind of hang out in a group. So I was a freshman; they were a senior, and uh, I was the little brother who was just ruthless. You know, like with with my mouth, I would just run it loud and and uh, get get us in trouble a little bit when we'd be out uh, in in public. And, and uh, they'd be like, "Dude, you got to stop, man!" Uh, but we had this friend who uh, would hang out with us. He was in my brother's grade, and um, I maybe I've told this story, but he, you know, he was uh, uh you know quite feminine, um, and and he he, he spoke with with, with like a lisp, and and so, you know, that that wasn't quite, uh, that was a bit taboo, like, 20, 25 years ago, right, and so, uh, you know, we would, uh, you know, just was was odd and strange, and so I'd kind of, like, would have fun with it, you know, as a 15-year-old, or whatever, would, and, and uh, just kind of, you know, rib him a little bit, tease him, and start trying to talk like him, even, uh, a little bit, and, and, and uh, just laugh, and um, yeah, you know, as, as guys can be, you know, really just, just, just give it to each other ruthlessly. And I'll remember, I remember uh, a number of years later when I was uh, um, a young pastor, we were married, uh, we had, you know, fallen out of touch with this friend and he reached out to my brother via email and he let my brother know that he had, you know, embraced the homosexual lifestyle uh, completely and, and, uh, and uh, he kind of just explained everything that had gone on in his life. And he, he um, the la- like towards the end of the email, he said, I guess you can tell your brother he was always right. Right? I guess you can tell your brother he was always right. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm at a point in my life, you know, I'm mature enough to know that, you know, uh, I can't own all of that. You know, uh, you know, people have to make their own decisions and choices and things like that. But uh, it didn't feel good. And, and there's still a part of, of me that, that when, I, when I think of that story, I mean, it, like, it, it does not feel good. It hurts. And um, there's power in our words. There's power in the things that come out of our mouth and the things that we speak over People. And uh, today we're going to continue in our teaching series on becoming wise, specifically looking at how to become wise with our words. I mentioned last week, you know, I found a lot of comfort lately in reading through the book of Proverbs because the Proverbs are full of wisdom on how to navigate through life. There's some things that God's been teaching me lately I just want to share with you. I think it might help you too in your own journey. And as I've been reading through this book, I've noticed that many of the Proverbs, like so many of them, speak to the importance of our words. Our tongue, the way that we speak, what comes out of our mouth. Proverbs reminds us that our words can bring great healing, but our words can also bring great harm, and not just to others, but they can bring harm to ourselves as well. And So when you read Proverbs, what you will find is, is I would say, uh, just about the, 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 the main topic or the main theme addressed is the power of our words. Proverbs essentially tells us this, if you're taking notes, that we must learn how to talk we gotta learn how to talk. It tells us that learning how to talk isn't just something for toddlers. Like A lot of us still need to learn how to talk. It's something that we've gotta learn throughout the entirety of our life. We gotta learn how to become wise with our words. And so Proverbs eighteen twenty one is one that has stuck out to me over the last couple months. And it just says this. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. I like the message translation. Uh, it says, says real simply, it says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit, you choose. You choose. So this is a classic proverb. Most of you have probably heard it, right? Or some, some, some version of it. And it, 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 it's thousands of years old. Thousands and thousands of years old. And yet it remains one of the most relevant pieces of wisdom, probably for all of us here this morning, It tells us that death comes from the power of our words. It can come from the power of our words. And I'd say that just about all of us have probably experienced this, probably have have experienced deadly words spoken to us. Just about all of us have probably experienced deadly words that have come come out of our mouth to other people. Proverbs tells us that our tongue has great power, the power of life and death, how many of you know what it's like to be saying something, and as you are saying it, you know that it isn't good? It's like, it's like you, you have this conscious awareness, like, this is not good. Like, you know that you are throwing gasoline on the fire, or that it's not helping the situation at all. That, like, anybody, you ever had that? You ever had just like almost this out of body where you're like, what did I just say, or why am I saying this? I know this isn't going to help the situation. Some of you know what it's like to be so in the moment that as you're talking, you fully know that the words coming out of your mouth are bringing hurt, they're bringing harm, they're causing uh, damage to the person or to the relationship, they're bringing condemnation, they're bringing death towards whoever it is that you're speaking to. So you just know that, right? You know what it's like to do that. Not only are so many of us familiar with being on the giving end of these words, so many of us know what it's like to receive words like this as well. We know what it's like to have someone gossip about us. We know what it's like, to have someone criticize us. We know what it's like to have somebody judge us unfairly. We know, we know what it's like. We know what it's like to, to be human and to live in this world where people say things that do not feel good. We know this, if you're taking notes, that our tongues have a great capacity to cause destruction. They have a great capacity to cause destruction. It is our words that often wound people. It's our words that separate us from other people or separate them from us just can't get past you know, the words that, 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 that were spoken. It, it just went cut too deep. It's our words that have incredible power and yet so many times we can be very, very, very flippant with the words that we use. And I think so much of the, the purpose of this proverb in, in Proverbs 18 is to in a way sort of jolt us, to sort of wake us up a bit, to show us how powerful you know, our, our words really are. I mentioned last week that these proverbs, when you read through this book, are given not just not just to help increase the quality of our life. These Proverbs are given not just to make us more comfortable and cozy, but what's at stake here is really life and death. That, that wisdom leads to life and foolishness leads to death. It's not like, oh, that's a good idea. That's a good suggestion. We should, we should read more of these Proverbs that make us feel good. No, no, no. It's not just about making your life better. What's at stake here is life and death. Proverbs is a clear warning, it's calling us to pay attention to the deadly words that we speak, to pay attention to the deadly words that we often receive. And deadly words are the ones that we all are familiar with, they're the ones that label, they're the ones that marginalize, they're the ones that condemn, they're the ones that wound, that seek to to, to diminish others. Growing up we all heard things like this, we all heard, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? And we learned pretty fast how false that phrase really is. I think on Mother's Day, it's, it's appropriate to mention, you know, uh, just about all of us have heard, you know, uh, our moms or a mother figure say something like, if you, don't, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? I, I, I as a young man, knew very well um, what Don dish soap tasted like, you know, you know, uh, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Every time something would come out of our mouth that was cutting, that, that, that wasn't, wasn't kind, that took away from, from someone else. My mom used to have this thing, she, she'd tell us to, t- to say seven nice things about them. She said that it would t- take seven nice things to cancel out, like the one, the one mean thing or the one bad thing that came out of our mouth. Have you ever heard the example that words are like toothpaste? Once they're spoken, they can't be taken back. Just like toothpaste, once squeezed out, can never be put back into the tube. It's, it's a lot like that. And so what we know is this, is that the tongue has the power of life and death. Over the last uh, uh, few weeks, I've had, I've had a couple friends in my life who have said some things to me that were pretty significant. I, I have a friend that I, I've spent some time on the phone with recently, and he has, he has said some things to me. He's, he's offered words of hope, and words of healing to me in in kind of kind of critical important times, uh, time in my life. There, there have been uh, you know maybe some self doubt. There's been some concerns. There's been some things I've just been trying 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 to figure out. And and I have this friend who has reminded me over the phone like like what God says about me, who I am in Christ. Uh, he's reminded me of of some of my own giftedness, some of my own talent, some of the things God has prepared me for in this in this life and. And so what I have seen firsthand is the power of words to bring hope and to bring healing uh, at a time when they're needed. I had another friend this last week I sat down and had coffee with and, uh, and he said something significant to me and it's gonna sound a little funny but, but uh, he, he told me, he reminded me that, uh, he says, Jordan, like man, I see you as like a first round draft pick. And it, if you understand that reference in, you know, in sports, that's, it's kind of a big deal to go first round and, and the reason why it mattered to me was because when, about 20 years ago, there was a pastor who, who said those exact words to me and, and I've just been kind of going through a time of just, just not, not believing that, not sure that that's true, not, you know, kind of questioning some things. And, and, and it's just, it just almost like uh, a, a spiritual moment there where, where this guy didn't know, you know, has no idea who this other pastor was 20 years ago, but they said the exact same thing. I was being reminded of some words that were spoken over me that God has some things on my life that I need to pay attention to, I need to live into. There are times in my life where deep down, to be honest with you, I just, I just don't feel like I measure up or that I'm... Always good at what I do, or or you know, and and to be truthful, like there are at times some deeply embedded internal messages that I that I have chosen to believe, you know, like over over the years. And they have the ability, if I allow them to, to lead me towards a place of great discouragement, towards self-doubt even. And and sometimes, sometimes for me, like I need to be reminded of what other people have spoken to me. But even more so, sometimes I need to be reminded what God has spoken about me, what God has said about me, and and I need to be reminded of of those words. And so we talk about the power of life and death in our words. like like In terms of giving life, I have seen firsthand how how, how the right word at the right time can bring hope and it can bring healing. The tongue has the power to bring life. It also has the power to, to bring death. And Jesus has something to say about these words that we speak in Matthew chapter 12, Verse 36, he says this, he says, but I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. Now, this isn't a very fun verse. uh it's not a fun verse to read at all like I'd like to skip over Matthew 12 a little bit but so much of its purpose I think is is to wake us up and to give attention to the words that we speak the words that come out of our mouth the things that we tweet and everything in between it matters it matters James talks about this. He talks about, he talks, in you know, in James 3, I don't have it on the screen, but he talks about the, the significance of, of, of what comes out of our mouth, that our tongue uh, has power to give life and death. He says, you know, out, out, of, out of your mouth comes like fresh water and salt water. Like, how is this possible? How can, how can like, like, like blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth? He says, brothers, my brothers, this cannot be, this should not be. I like what David wrote in Psalm 19, verse 14. He says, "He says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I love this verse. Uh, 20 years ago or more, when, when Lindsay and I were in uh, a master's commission, um, we uh, uh, we memorized this scripture. Uh, there was a, actually a, a worship song at the time that, that came out by a guy named Tim, Tim Hughes, and, and, and the lyrics to the song were very much just like this this uh, psalm, it, said, it says, may the, uh, may the words of my mouth and, the, and the, the thoughts of my heart, bless your name, bless your name, Jesus. So the meditation of my heart or the thoughts of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And so before we go much further, I gotta ask you just, just this, this important question. Have the words you've been using brought healing or harm? Are they bringing healing or are they bringing Harm? Are they bringing death or life to people around you? As a parent, how would you describe the words that you use with your children? Um, Again, right, I'm speaking speaking to myself. How would you describe the words that you use with your spouse? The words that you you use towards boyfriend or girlfriend, or if you're a child in here, the words that you use towards your parents or to your siblings? How would you describe the words that you use when someone cuts you off in traffic? Let me tell you something. There have been some moments where I have been cut off in traffic, and if there was a hot mic in my car, uh, you'd be like, "Is that our pastor?" You know, like so. How would you describe the words uh, that that you use towards coworkers or bosses, not just to their face but behind their back? To someone who sees the world differently than you, to someone from you know a different religion or a different political party, from someone from a different worldview, how would you describe your words? How would you see and assess your words that come out of your mouth, the words of your mouth and the thoughts of your heart? It's really important to assess the words that come out of our mouth and the, and, and, and the thoughts that are formed inside of us towards other people but, but here, here's the deal. All, all of us kind of get that. This is, I mean, it's kind of it's basic. Like We understand the power of our words. We understand, I think most of, our, most of us agree that, that we can see how words can bring life and how words can bring death. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that we're going to have wisdom with our words. It just means that we understand that words are powerful. But what I've been, what I've been learning late, lately about my own words is this, and I, maybe it'll help you. It's definitely helped me, but... It's this, is that oftentimes the words that are most powerful are not the ones we tell others, but the ones we tell ourselves. It's it's the lies we believe. It's it's not just the lies we believe, it's the lies that we live, right? It's the lies that we repeat to ourselves over and over and over again. Because you see, deadly words do not just exist out there in the world somewhere. Deadly words also exist inside many of us. Many of us have had words, spoken to us that are deeply lodged in our subconscious, deeply lodged down in our souls to the point that they have some level of power over us. And for some of us, these are words that have identified us for many years, and as a result, uh, because we have so internalized them, they have in a way diminished us. Like like, like as, as godly people, as spiritual people, as powerful followers, of Jesus what happens is there can be these like deeply embedded internal messages that we that we come into agreement with that that, that we are uh, willing to accept and repeat to ourselves and, and and what it does is it just it just, just kind of puts a lid on your ability to to really to really live into the things of God in, in in the way we are intended to some of you have internalized words or criticisms that someone spoke to you or Perhaps there are words that you have internalized some other way, somehow. Words that you internalize that that say, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm I'm, I'm not uh, accomplished enough, not strong enough, no one really cares, everybody leaves. The list just goes on and on and on and on. And have you heard words like this before? They have a way of diminishing our lives reducing it down, and you have to know that all of these words are lies. But here's what I want you to, 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 to see today. Here, here's really one of the things the Lord has been ministering to me, and it's this thought that Jesus speaks a better and truer word over your life. Jesus speaks a better and truer word over your life. Listen to me, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. And those deadly words don't have to have the last word and so for those of you who have experienced deadly words, whether they were spoken over you last week or they were spoken over you years and years ago, and, and, and regardless, like you still internalize those messages, we have to turn to the gospel. We have to look at the significance of the gospel here this morning because the good news of Christianity is that the deadly words that we speak and the deadly words that we receive and the deadly words that we repeat to ourselves do not have to have the last word. They don't have to have the final word. The good news of Christianity is that the gospel has come in Jesus Christ and that his word is more powerful than any word that has been spoken over you, which is why I love that Jesus is known as the word of God. The gospel of John tells us that the word became flesh. I've said this before to some different leaders and people here at the church, but you know, like I would love it personally as your pastor if if, when you thought of the Word of God, instead of immediately thinking about the Bible, you would first think of Jesus. Because Jesus is the Word. He is the Word who has become flesh. It's, 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 such, a, it's such a healthier, better way to think of the Word of God. It, it, it is the Word made flesh. Jesus is the living Word. Jesus is the Word that overcomes any deadly word that has been spoken over you. He is the Word. Of God. Hebrews 12 24 says this it says to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Jesus speaks a better and truer word over your life. I want you to think about the the the, the, the classic story, the, the, the famous, famous story of Jesus at his baptism, where he's at the Jordan River, and the John the, he goes to John the Baptist to, to, to uh, be baptized. If you remember the story, you know that, like, like, the Father, God the Father, speaks out over Jesus some words of affirmation. He says, he says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. This is my Son in whom am I am well pleased. Well, well, Jesus goes from that moment immediately into the wilderness where he is tempted, right? For 40 days, he fasts. He goes, I mean, it's immediately after his baptism. He goes into the, into the desert. He is he he he, can, he comes into like a he has a confrontation with the devil where he is tempted by the devil and uh immediately after Jesus receives this th- these words spoken over him by his father, the devil comes in and starts to question the, the validity of that affirmation. The devil comes to him and he says, He says, If you're the son of God, speak to this stone and and, and, and turn it into bread. If you're the son of God you know, throw yourself off this cliff and, and uh, you, know, you know, even the angels will come and they will, they, they, they will rescue you before you, 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 you hit the ground if you're the son of a God. And so the devil comes and he immediately begins to question the, the validity of the, the, the words that were spoken over Jesus by his father. Listen to me. The devil has been doing this for a long, long, long time. He's been doing it since the garden to Adam and Eve. Did God really say that you can't eat? from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Did God really say that? He does the same thing with Jesus in the, in, in the wilderness. If you're really the son of God, he's been doing this for a really long time, he did it to Jesus, he does, does it to you and me. The words of life that our Father speaks over us, the words of life that are true about who we really are, the devil loves to come along and, 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 and to just question the, the validity of those statements. And so here's what you and I have to understand. You have to catch this. If there is anything, anything that, that, that I could get you to, to like not just, not just memorize, but live into that I think would have the most transformative impact on your life, it'd be this statement I'm gonna show you right here. And it's this, it's the, the, the degree to which we can sit in this reality that we are beloved sons and daughters is the, the degree to which those deadly words will not have power over us. The degree to which we can sit in this reality that we are beloved sons and daughters is the degree to which those deadly words will not have power over us. You see, we are intended to take what the Father has spoken over us and just like Jesus offer words of healing and hope to people all around us. That's what we are intended to do. The words that have been spoken over us, like you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter, and we live into that, and we are positioned then to bring words of hope and words of healing to people all around us. And so we have to understand that like, words are powerful, they, they, they bring life and they bring death, and oftentimes the words that are most powerful aren't necessarily even the ones that we tell others, it's the ones we tell ourselves. The, the lies that we believe and the lies that we live, and we've gotta, uh, we have gotta remember that Jesus speaks a better word, a truer word. His blood shed on the cross is a better word. And the degree that we can sit in that reality that he speaks over us and he calls us his son, he calls us his daughter, the degree to which we can really live into that, believe that, get that into us, not allow that to be, to be messed with by other words that are spoken, by, by, by lies that the devil loves to give us. Like, the more, the more we can live into this, the more positioned we are to be p- people of hope and people of peace in this world. So I wanna get really practical for maybe the next 10 minutes and then get you out of here. Um, I wanna get really practical for a moment just on like how do we do this? Like, like what does it look like to become wise with our words? Like how do we actually live this way? And, um, and so again, just, just some things I'm, I'm, I'm learning. So uh, number one is I would say that if we wanna become wise with our words, we need to talk less and listen more. Really simple, really profound. This is true of, of, of uh, internal, internal voices. If, if you are someone who, who uh, has internal uh, voices or internal messages that are deeply embedded, you've gotta got talk less, you've gotta listen more to the voice of God. You gotta you got listen less to the voice of, uh, that, 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 that is inside of you or that, that is speaking lies to you. You need to listen more to the voice of God. It's also true in practical interpersonal relationships. If we wanna be wise with our words, we need to be people who talk less and listen more. How many of you have ever known someone who just seems to talk a lot? You ever known somebody? How many of you are that person? You just, just come on, just admit it. You, can, you just know, you know, I was thinking of a time this week when Lindsay and I went to dinner with, with some people and as we got in the car afterwards, we looked at each other and commented on how we hardly got any words in the entire time. You ever had an experience like that? You're like, I, I just, I don't even know that they understood that they just like talked the whole time. Like, um, the thing is, I've noticed that the problem isn't just in other people, like I've seen this in myself. Like, I am an external processor. I, I, I talk out loud. I want to I process things out loud. And so I talk through things a lot. And, and sometimes in that need to talk out loud, I can, I can, I can cross the line into just good old-fashioned sin. Where externally processing things and seeking advice can can almost turn into gossip. Negativity. And the reality is that there are many times where I would be wise to talk less and to listen more, Proverbs 1019 said says this, When words are many, sin is not absent. When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. And so here, here's just a, a super profound thought for you today. Uh, one of the best ways to be wise with our words is to use less of them. <laughs> super profound. Have you ever noticed that the less you talk, the better you do? I'm one who doesn't always live by this proverb principle and I have at many times made promises that I can't keep, said things that I later regret. I've been in heated discussions where I have tro- chosen to cross the line, let my anger get the better of me. I've said more than once uh, you know, to, to, to my friends, uh, to my wife that I'm so glad smartphones didn't exist when I was younger to document all the things uh, that I did. I am so glad, right? Uh, there's no evidence. with my words, you know, there have been times in my life where, where my wife has had to tell me to just stop talking. Anybody have a good woman in their life that, that, that can help them out in that way? Just Jordan, you just need to stop talking, okay? Plato uh, says this. He said, uh, I wrote this uh, many, many, many years ago. He says, wise men speak because they have something to say. Fools speak because they have to say something. It's A great example of... of uh, it's a great thought when I think about my grandpa, because my grandpa was like this. He, he was somebody who, who was incredibly wise. He pastored for a really long time, did not always need to speak. He was, he was a quiet man. All the family would get together. He'd, he'd kind of just be really reserved. Oftentimes, he was incredibly quiet, but how many of y'all know that when he spoke, everyone listened? Like, when he decided to speak, like, you could hear a pin drop. Everybody was quiet, because... Everybody wanted to hear what he had to say. He would just command the room as soon as he began to speak. Everyone wanted to hear the wisdom that would come out of his mouth. And so some of us, quite honestly, need to talk less and we need to listen more. That's just where some of us are at. The second thing I would say in terms of getting wisdom with your words is is this, is that in in your anger, wait to speak. In your anger, wait to speak. Now, I don't know about you, but far too many times My speech does not come out of a time of waiting or out of a time of reflection. It comes out of a need to react. Anybody, am I the only one in here? I mean, come on, right? I'm I'm just being real. Like, it's so often I'm like, I, I don't have this like time of deep reflection. Like, what is really going on in me right now before I respond? Most of the time it's just like, no, I wanna say what I wanna say. I wanna react. I'm not always great at stopping myself long enough to consider the thoughts and the words that my emotions are producing, I'm not always great at slowing myself down enough to really consider what's happening internally in me, and to ask myself if what I'm about to say is wise. I'm not always great at that. And so Proverbs twenty nine eleven says this. He says it says a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. How I many all know that sometimes we can get so angry that we just need to take a few minutes. We just maybe need to take a few hours. We like, might need to take a few days or a few weeks, right, to, to wait because the anger has become so much or so, so intense. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You ever seen this play out in your life? Like how you respond, the, the way you, you react has, has, has a way of, of either diffusing the situation or making it worse? I want to make, make something clear when we talk about anger. You know, I think that there is an appropriate time for this emotion. I think there's an appropriate time for anger. I think anger can, at, at times, be a very healthy emotion. I think that there can be a good kind of anger. Paul tells us in Ephesians, he says, in your anger, do not sin. So anger, you know, it seems like it can be good. It can be healthy at times. It can be the appropriate emotion. In and of itself, it's not necessarily sin, um, especially when it's pointed at things like injustice and, and, and abuse. But what I have noticed is this, and, and here's a thought for you, is that the danger for all of us is that in our anger, we become prone to wounding others. We're just prone to it. When, we're, when, we, when we get really wound up, when, when our anger really builds, like we're pretty prone in that moment to wound other people. Again, how many of you have all said something that you regret? Ever snapped at your kids, yelled at your spouse, ever cursed somebody out, had social media rage, which is a term now, by the way, social media rage. And in this passage here in Proverbs 29 and Proverbs 15, we're invited to be mindful of our anger, not to suppress it, not to repress it, but to discern it, to be mindful of our anger, to discern what it is that is going on in us. Again, there's good anger, and then there's the kind of anger that corrodes our souls, and we've gotta be mindful Kind of anger that takes us down a path that's not good for us. We got to be mindful. We got to discern our anger. And so much of the problem that we face today is that we live in a world where, when someone is triggered, everyone knows about it within a matter of seconds. And because of the access we have to technology, it has become uh, com- commonplace to say whatever to uh, whoever, whenever we want. But according to Proverbs, this is not wise. This is not wise. So here's a thought. wisdom is what enables us to wait to speak so that we can first discern our anger. So in your anger, wait to speak. Take a minute, take take some time to discern your anger. Like, like, you know, does uh, does my anger justify this level of emotion? Why am I so mad? I mean, I've told you before, but there have been times where like, you know my, you know Lindsay and I have, have had some some disagreements, right? We'll just leave it at, we'll just leave it there. But and there have been times where, where like I, you know, I'm 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 upset at her, but I'm really not upset at her. I'm upset at somebody else. You know, I'm upset at, at, at it. It's it's really kind of just a situation that's triggered emotions from my past or from years ago, and that happens to all of us. Like, so we have to ask ourselves, why am I this mad? And does my anger really match? Is it appropriate for what I'm what I'm facing or what I'm what I'm dealing with? The third thing I would tell you, in terms of becoming wise with our words, is that we need to be willing to tell the truth, even if the cost is high. Part of being wise with our words is being willing to tell the truth, even if the cost is high. Now, I know a lot of you are going to love this thought. I know some of you are going to see this thought on the screen and want to clap, want to shout me down with a good amen. Come on, brother, preach. So many of us are pretty, are wound pretty tight about the issues of our day, the disinformation campaign that swirls around us about just about just about every topic we can imagine, and it really grates at us, right? When we think about the mainstream media, social media, all the stuff, and some of us can get pretty excited about speaking the truth no matter the cost. You gotta speak the truth. You gotta tell people how it is no matter the cost, and if that's you, if that's you, you're getting, getting a, little, a little excited. Um, I appreciate your excitement, but you might need to go back to point one, and you might need to speak less and listen more. I That mean, might need to be where you start, You might need to first learn to discern your speech. Rich Villitus, he's a pastor in Brooklyn, New York, pastor of New Life Fellowship. He says this, he says, evangelical Christianity in the United States is often characterized by a deep desire to have Christianity pervade our culture but not have Christ permeate our being. I think this is a huge thought. Some of us need to like sit with, take a picture of this and sit with it. Because there, there, there is such a, like a, a, a political um, uh, affiliation. It feels like 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 so many Christians, you know, have um, and 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 want so desperately to have policies passed and politicians put in place to 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 kind of just j- just just get back to a Christian nation is what so many people would say, and and, and so there can be such a such an effort, such a desire, str- such a strong. Passion to see Christianity, Jesus, the the Judeo Christian values permeate culture, and I don't know that that's entirely wrong. It can be misguided and misplaced, oftentimes. And really, what we fail to to understand and embrace is is that for that really to have lasting power, we have to let like who Jesus really is permeate our life, like like deep inside of us, like like. Change who we are completely from the inside out. And watch that change the world. Some of us need to spend more time speaking the truth to ourselves than we do to others. But nevertheless, the cost, uh, to be wise with our words, we have to be willing to tell the truth even if the cost is high. Uh, Proverbs 14.25 says, A truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful. A truthful witness saves, saves lives. So this is the there's a tension that we have to hold on to here because, for some of us, the challenge is is to hold our is not to hold our tongue. The challenge is, is is to speak. Like we see things all all the time. We're like, well, that's really not my business. That's really not you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be nice. I'm just going to turn you know my my head. I'm not going to say anything. And for some of us who are known to talk a lot, the challenge is, to, is not to stop talking altogether, but instead to speak from a place of reflection, instead to speak from a place of, of discernment. And so there's a little bit of tension there. Some of us need to talk more, and some of, us, some of us need to talk differently. But to be wise with our words requires us to speak the truth. But to really understand what this means, I want to clarify to you what I mean by, by truth. Truth to me means two things. It means, it means personal honesty it also means on a larger scale, it means things like righteousness and justice. And so to speak the truth is about, it's about being honest with our lives. So it, it, it's not, I, I'm not, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about like, like speaking your truth. Like that's, that's garbage. There is truth and it's, and it's true for all of us. But, but in terms of, 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 of speaking the truth, it's about your own personal honesty, being honest about your life. Like this is who I really am. This is what's really going on. This, this, this is what's happening inside of me. So there, there's that. But then also, also there on a greater scale is righteousness and, and justice. Truth requires us to speak up and to speak out, especially when there is injustice and there is unrighteousness going on around us. And the tension we have to deal with is that on one hand, on one end we have to speak the truth in love. According to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4.15, he says, speaking the truth in love we will grow in all things, grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. And then in the message, it says God, God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and to tell it in love. That's pretty good, right? And then Colossians 4, 6, he tells us, he says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so we have to live within this tension that on like one end, it's, we, you know, tell the truth in love. But, but, but then on the other side of it, you know, we, we have to consider how Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, the religious leaders. There are times when Jesus looks at the religious leaders and he calls them like a brood of vipers, like Matthew 24. It's like, that's not, that's not like the truth in love. It doesn't feel very loving. He, he, he describes them as like whitewashed tombs. He says, on the inside, you're full of dead men. Uh, you know, on the outside, you're, you're nice and shiny, white, whitewashed tombs. On the inside, you're full of dead men's bones doesn't feel like like the truth in love that feels like harsh. that feels like a lot. And so how do we make sense of all of this? How do we know how do we know like which end to, 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 to live on? How do we know, you know what should come out of our mouth given uh, the moment? And this is the tension, right? And I think that to be wise with our words, we must discern when we are called to be silent and when we are called to speak. When we are called to speak. We have to discern the moment. Let the wisdom of the Lord flow through us. The fourth thing, and you guys can go ahead and come on up, is we must choose our words and timing wisely. If we wanna be wise with our words. We gotta choose our words and our timing wisely. Too often, I have been more interested in getting my point across than listening to God and asking if this should even be said right now. Should this be, even be said right now? Should this even be said in the moment at this time? What I have learned is that timely words, timely words are often preceded with lots of listening to God. Lots of listening to God. So, God, what do you have to say? What do you think on the situation? Timely words are often preceded with lots of listening. And I think that without actively listening to God and asking if we should say what we wanna say in that particular moment, here is what happens. And it's a classic thought that too often we can end up saying the right thing at the wrong time. Too often. It's it's not that what you said was wrong, it just shouldn't have been said right now. Just wasn't the right moment, wasn't the right time. There has to be discernment with when to say what we think we need to say. Proverbs 15, 23 says a man finds joy in giving an apt reply, which means an appropriate or a fitting response. Man finds joy in this and how good is a timely word. So being wise with our words means that our words are to be timely. They're not just meant to be thrown out there whenever, to whoever. They're meant to be timely. So God, okay, there's a a word that you, there's something you're you're stirring in me. When is the appropriate moment for me to release that, to let that out of my mouth? Which leads me to think, you know, like, how how could I ever hope to provide a timely word without prayer? Without being a person of prayer? How could I ever hope to, to, to provide a timely word without without being a person of like deep reflection, of like of like consulting with the Lord, like God, what are you saying right now? What, what do you want? What do you want to to speak through me? As I said, I said it earlier. You know, toddlers are not the only ones who need to learn how to speak. We have to learn to do this too. Not just how to speak, but what to speak and how to speak it, when to speak it. And so the question of the morning is like, where do you need to become wise? With your words. Where do you need to become wise with your words? You need to talk less and listen more. You need to be somebody who talks less and listens more. You need to be somebody who in your anger, you need need to wait. You need to slow down. You need to slow your roll. You need to wait to speak. Are you someone who who needs to be more willing to tell the truth even if the cost is high? Now are you somebody who needs to choose your words and your timing wisely? Where do you need to become wise with your words? The good news of the gospel is that Jesus knows our words. He knows that we will have some good days this week and that we're gonna have some bad days this week. He knows our foolish words. He knows our lies. He knows our exaggerations. He knows our broken commitments. And yet he loves us with an everlasting love. And he wants his love to completely saturate us to the point that we become people who are marked by wisdom, truthfulness, love, and discernment. So for you today, may the Holy Spirit lead you into the kind of wise life that Jesus died for you to have. the Holy Spirit leads you into the kind of wise life that Jesus died for you to have. isn't Isn't that good? Isn't that what we want? Would you just stand with me for a moment as we close? Would you just bow your heads just for a quick second here? I don't want to take too long, but. You know, the, there's great power in our words. There's great power in the words that come out of our mouth that we speak to others. But perhaps the part of the message that has affected me the most is, is really reflecting on how powerful the words are that I speak to myself. And if you're here today and you would just say, Pastor Jordan, there are some words that I, that I, just, I have a habit of speaking to myself and I, I, don't, I don't think they're true. I actually think I've been living into some lies. Um, and it's time to kind of break those. It's time to, to, to form some new habits, some new ways of thinking. Could I, could I just see your hand in here today, if that's you? It's time to just say no more. i to cancel it out, send it to the foot of the cross where the blood of Jesus was enough. And so God, I ask right now for freedom to reign in this room. I thank you that, that the blood of Jesus is still good today that it still works, that it still sets people free, it still pulls people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, it still renews our mind, it still changes our thinking, it still changes our thought processes, our thought life. And so I ask for every person, God, under the sound of my voice who just raised their hand, that God, that you would just come and you put your, 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 your hands on their head, you put their, your hands over their ears, you, just begin to, you begin to just cancel out every lie right now. That every, every voice of the enemy, every untruth that we've believed, every deeply embedded uh, word that, that, that exists maybe in our subconscious, Lord, I, we cancel it out right now. I pray you would come against every word curse in Jesus' name. You'd send it to the foot of the cross. I pray for fresh hope, fresh life, fresh, a fresh word. And so we thank you, God, that, 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 that Jesus, you give a truer and a better word. That the blood of Jesus gives a better word. And so I ask for a better word to come right now to to confront every lie, every mistruth right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And if you're here today, you just need some wisdom as it pertains to your words. You need some wisdom, not just in the words that you say to yourself, but in the words you also say to others. And you just need God to just fill you with better wisdom in this area. Can I just see your hand? You just need some wisdom here. You need to get a tighter rein on your tongue. You understand the importance of and the power of of what comes out of your mouth can bring life and bring death. You want to be somebody who brings more life. (laughs) You want to be somebody who who has more life flowing out of your mouth. God, I pray in Jesus' name for for life to flow out of our mouth, for life to come out of our words, that we would be people of hope and people of peace, people who speak life over other people. God, forgive us of of ways uh, where we can just kind of get overran by our emotions and just say whatever to whoever, whenever we want. I pray for great discernment, for the Spirit of God to give us wisdom on when to say things and how to say things. I pray, Father, that when people look at us, they would see Jesus, they would see followers of Jesus who are not marked by motion, who are not irrational or unable to hold our tongue or be self-controlled, but they'd see people who are just, just clearly walking a life that has been marked by Jesus. and so. May, may people never say of us, man, I love Jesus, I just don't like his followers. May people say, wow, look at those followers of Jesus, they look just like Jesus. And Father, would you just begin to shift that narrative in all of us, God, as, as, as more life starts to flow out of our mouth, more life, more life in Jesus' name. We give you thanks and praise today. May anything that's not of you, may anything that in us that's going on that is not of you, may it just fall away, may it fade away, may it be stripped off, may it go. And uh, we give you thanks and praise today in Jesus' name. Amen.